Champagne and Socks podcast. I'm Elisa. Once again, I'm all, hi there, long time, no speak. In fact, it's been so long, I'm not even sure this might be the first time I'm recording this podcast with my brand new Yeti microphone. The lovely patron backers of our other podcast, Galactic Suburbia, uh, kindly enabled me to replace my old microphone with this fantastic one. I can already see the sounds looking pretty good. So, it's been a long time since the last episode, well over a month. Pretty sure I have recorded a new episode in this new house. Things have not been overly great out my way, and in fact, about a week ago, I was really, really not in a good place. And the funny thing is, I'd gotten to a point where I'd made some of my work and study tasks into the kind of thing you do when you're not really doing anything. So you're watching, you know, really terrible TV and mulling about, and then I'd be like sorting data or whatever because it doesn't require much brain power. But I was doing that instead of crafting. And I did that for quite a while. And so only a couple of days ago, I realized it had been quite a while since I had uh, knit So that's my confession. It's been over a week since I've been knitting. I actually got to a place where I was super tired. I think my husband was away and so I had the kids and I've got one teething toddler. So I was getting up to him three, four times in the night and then there was no adult around in the morning. So I was getting up when the kids were getting up in the morning. And so I was feeling pretty gross. And you know, when you're like really, really tired, your eyes get gritty. And when my eyes are gritty, I just can't do fine needlework and I can't I can't do like knitting that requires any kind of brain power and I didn't have any non-brain power type knitting projects around so I did this super weird thing and long-time listeners of this podcast are gonna be shocked so I suggest that you sit down maybe stop the podcast go get a cup of tea come back because this is truly shocking I started quilting a quilt. (laughs) So ridiculous. I can't even believe I'm actually saying that. But I had brought with me as is and as was when I packed it, the first quilt I was going to be quilting. And I had, I had begun some quilting on it, but like about when I was pregnant with my first kid, who's now about four and a half. So the ring was still wherever it was when I was doing that. And um, it had just been bunched up and packed and it was sitting in a cupboard and I thought well I'm gonna pull that out and just see what happens I don't even know why I decided to do that but it was actually such a great thing to do because it turns out quilting is a addictive and b requires no brain power so I was just like I don't care if I suck at this this is not my most prized work it is a friendship quilt So it's a bunch of blocks that other people have made for me. Some of them are not as, they're not all of the same skill level, let's say that. But the colours are stunning. I love it. It's this sort of Parisian pinks and teals. I'll say that. And it's got this kind of, I call it my vaudeville quilt because I bought a pre-made, not a charm pack, but like the, the bigger squares pack and gave everybody pieces of that. So everybody's block has different fabrics in it, but all the fabrics match. And they've got um, sort of olive greens, light pinks, 
not quite a corally pink, but sort of a, a muted lolly pink and then these teals and lots of things that remind me of a 1920s day at the beach. I don't know, that's just that's just what this quilt reminds me of. So that was like the first friendship quilt that I ever did. I'm pretty sure we made this quilt before I met my husband and I'd gotten as far as piecing all the blocks, getting the top done, basting this quilt, started quilting it, hated quilting and just left it in the cupboard. Anyway, so I just decided, look, I might suck at quilting. This isn't going to be the best piece of quilting I've ever done because it's going to be the first quilting I've ever done. You know, let the stitches be what they are. They might not all be even. They may not all be the same size. They may not all be small, but it will be quilted and then it will be a finished quilt, which we can use instead of being a work in progress that sits in the cupboard for another decade. And to sort of emphasize that point with myself I used a quilting thread that changes color so it's a gradient of pinks and the point is to see the thread then right so it doesn't matter if you can see the stitches because that's the point of the exercise so I started doing that and and I thought I don't know I kind of thought the quilting just took a really really long time my mum does a lot of hand quilting or used to when I grew up and I mean she finished quilts she she finished queen size bed quilt so I'm not sure why I had this in my head that this would be the case but I decided I would not be a perfectionist about the stitching and I would do minimum to get this job done quilting so in the ditch for each block the point of the exercise to get the three pieces of the quilt set in place and then I'll move on and I got, I'm about halfway through I mean I'm shocked in a week I got about half of it done so I was super tired I couldn't work I couldn't read I couldn't really even concentrate on anything other than reality tv I was just in that survival make sure kids are fed and changed and bathed and in bed and whatever else happens is bonus and I got half of this quilt quilted and it looks great. I'm really, really happy with it. And in fact, as is always the case, as you know, those of you who are quilters, the blocks that I didn't like the most, so the ones I liked the least, uh, look the best once I finish quilting them. So yeah, go figure. So that's sitting there and I'm, I'm a little bit more enthused. I'm sort of more upbeat about it because I'm like, well, this project could be finished soon. Um, and then I get to put the binding on, which oddly is a job that I quite like. And then we'll have a finished quilt and it's just starting to get cold here. And then I'm sort of feeling a bit more upbeat because maybe I will be ready at some point to quilt my solstice quilt, my Ginny Byer solstice quilt, which I'm very proud of. I think the top is the best top I've ever made. I love the colours of it. I'm really happy with it. And then I've always been worried that I was going to ruin it with really bad quilting. Now I'm kind of like, well... Even bad quilting is still quilted. Like, it's not like you look at each stitch and, and judge it. And I'm not putting this in for an exhibition or a competition. It's a quilt that I want to use and enjoy. It doesn't need to be perfect. I need to get away from this idea of perfection. It can be perfect or it can be done, but it cannot be both. And so what I actually have my eye on is the next quilt that I want to quilt, which I think will be even easier to quilt although it will have more quilting in it than this quilt. And that's my um, hexagon charm quilt because it's hexagons. I don't know if I've ever actually taken a picture of this quilt. I decided 
to do authentic charm quilts so every single piece is unique in fabric and it's based on a quilt that I saw at my friend Tansy's house when I stayed with her one Christmas. She has this beautiful quilt that she's done made with the kite shape and it's got this beautiful 3D feeling about the way she's done it and I tried to replicate that but with hexagons and I split my hexagons up into six triangles and I tried to do dark medium and lights in the hexagon to give that tumbling block feeling and every piece is a unique piece of fabric but you know it was just a case of doing too much was trying to do too many things at once and so it didn't really have that 3d effect I think it was just too busy it's a crazy quilt and that's okay I like to play around with colour a lot and this didn't really work. In the end, what I did was I pieced it as a rainbow and did like a kaleidoscope rainbow effect. Again, that was like an extra thing. And in the end, what I decided to do was I put white triangles in between the hexagons so that each hexagon is framed with a white star in effect. So I think if I quilt it correctly by playing up on the right triangles I'll end up getting a 3d effect finally when I do the quilting so I'm kind of into seeing that one done that quilt is a much bigger quilt than the friendship quilt the friendship quilt's kind of a lap quilt the charm quilt is at least a double bed could be a queen size bed size and the other thing that I have a problem with with that quilt the hexagon quilt is I haven't done anything with the edges so all the edges are the end of the hexagon My mum suggested that I applique that onto a straight edge and then have a straight edge to then finish off, but I'm kind of thinking I'm not going to do that. I don't mind having fiddly binding. I think it's going to be a pain and I'm going to need a lot longer strips. I haven't decided. I'm going to have to decide at the point at which I baste this quilt. And I actually went to baste this quilt yesterday and discovered that... I hadn't done anything with the backing, so I need to cut the backing in half and tack it up so that it's the right shape for the quilt. So quilting, who would have guessed that that kind of came back on the scene? I wouldn't have guessed that at all. The other thing is, is that it's April and that was the end of my free pass on the 365 challenge. And so I need to get back into doing the 365 quilt challenge if I actually want to finish this project this year and I know next year she has a brand new quilt coming and because I'm a masochist I probably would like to do that yeah I did an audit on what I've done of April and I've done about half of April so I really need to probably think about getting back into that project doing about a week of quilting and enjoying the quilting and it was exactly what I needed um, for the kind of headspace that I was in. 
I realized that I hadn't been knitting and I have to tell you, I was really not in a very good mental headspace. I suffer from some mental illness, uh, if that's on a gradient. I have suffered from depression and anxiety and I have OCD and, you know, that, that has its ebbs and flows. But last week it was really not good. And I was doing some research on the sorts of things that can help when you're um, not in a good place. And it was really interesting. There was like 10 or 20 things and I was just looking at this list. And one of the things was knitting. And I thought, well, yes, Elisa, you actually already know this and you haven't been knitting for a week and look where your head is. So that just seemed like such an easy thing to pick up and see, hey, you know, is this going to help? It's not the only thing I did. I have lots of tools in my toolbox, so I can't say for sure. But after I've been knitting for a little while, a day or so, it really helped me calm down my head. And now ever since then, when things have been, you know, starting to escalate, I've just gone and picked up the knitting. So what I think is I don't get the luxury of not knitting anymore, which seems like a ridiculous thing to say. So I'll flip it and I'll say, I need to make sure that I prioritize downtime and I need to prioritize the hobbies that I love and I need to do that as an act of self-care and playing with colors, playing with textures and looking at patterns and making things is one of the ways that I take care of myself. And the other thing I've been thinking a lot about is I have some interesting ideas or theories on the way the day and the work week is constructed to suit men. That's traditionally what it was about. Men would leave the home and go and do the work and that was suited to them and they come back and dinner is on the table and the kids are bathing in bed and that's not their job. So that's your nine to five work day and it doesn't really interact with anything else. But that doesn't suit women. It doesn't suit women who have other priorities that they need to take care of. And often I know I and I know a lot of other people find their personal time can be at midnight And I've been thinking a lot about how you reconstruct a day and a week and a month, I guess, around working from home or around the other kinds of priorities that you have. Like, what what does that look like? And I realized that, you know, I work from home. I study from home. I look after the kids at home. They're not here every day. But, you know, I'm based at home. And one of the great things about that is I'm my own boss and I get to set the rules and I get to say what that looks like. And I get to determine, you know, what that looks like on a hourly schedule throughout throughout a day and throughout a week. And I get to decide if actually I want my weekend to be Wednesday, Thursday, because everybody's home on the weekend and all I'm doing is looking after other people. That's not really downtime, that kind of thing. So I've been thinking about it a lot. One of the things that really annoyed me when I had a day job that was not full on. And so often you would be employed for um, peak times. And when it was peak, you were on and you would get there early in the morning and work, skip lunch, pump it out, finish at the end of the day. And it was tiring, but that was only for when it was peak work flow. And then there would be other times of the year where you, you might have nothing on, or you might be stuck in meetings all day that are really boring or that you need to listen to and report back to, but not participate in, or that you got sent to because nobody else wanted to go because they knew it was a waste of time, but they've been represented, those kind of things. And I would sit there all that time thinking, I could at least be knitting. You know, how does this affect anybody else if I'm just quietly making a sock in the corner? But at least at the end of the day, I would have made a sock in the corner instead of just wasting eight hours. 
So I used to get really annoyed about that, you know, never actually had the guts to take in my knitting. I was an engineer. So, you know, that's not really appropriate to rock up to a senior meeting (laughs) with your knitting in your hands. So that would really annoy me. But I was thinking, you know, that's not my life anymore. I'm the boss. And I know that I can pay full attention in a meeting and also knit, or I can read and knit at the same time, or I can take a three-minute break here and knit a row and move on. Like, I'm the person who makes the rules. So I've reintroduced knitting into my day, and I've I've actually got a pair of socks right next to me that I'm knitting right now and I'm sort of oscillating between getting work done, knitting a couple of rows. If I'm reading an email, then I'll pick up the knitting and just bringing that into across my day. And I'm really finding that, you know, it's meditative of sorts and it also focuses you. If you're following a pattern, you have to be watching the pattern and watching what you're doing. It shuts down that voice in your head that is the thing that is making you anxious. So that's my new thing going forward is that I need to be knitting all the time. And I'm kind of excited about that because I have a lot of projects that need to be knitted. What have I been doing? Well, the socks that I have right next to me that I'm knitting, this is a new project that I cast on, thus breaking my no new projects for 2018 rule. But it's in the first skein that I got from this new yarn club that I joined, Dawson's Creek Sock Yarn Club, which is coming from Maker's Haven, and I found her on Instagram. Um... I wasn't really sure what I was going to get, and I don't know what I was expecting, but the skeins that I got were not what I was thinking I would get, but I got two skeins, one smaller for toe, cuff, and heel, and then one for your main color for your sock, and they're in this sort of lovely faded blue as the contrast color, and then there's pinks and blues in the main color. And when I went on her Instagram to be like, I there was nothing on the label. There was no little card to explain why this was a Dawson's Creek inspired colorway. Uh, I found her little movie that explained the inspiration behind this yarn. And it was the scene when Joey runs away with Pacey off to sea for the summer and the beautiful sea against the sun setting of the sky uh, and the pinks and the blues and I thought that was just gorgeous. I hunted around for a pattern and when I say I hunted around for a pattern Deb and Catherine threw a whole bunch of sock patterns at me and I ended up going with a sock pattern design by Verena Kors at the Wool Club and the sock pattern is called Mirror Work Socks and it is just divine. It's as she says at the top of her pattern, this modern interpretation of classic argyle patterns is created with twist stitches. No cable needle needed, and that got me straight in. Pick a solid or tonal yarn for a minimalist aesthetic or a beautiful speckled yarn for a more colourful version. So that sounded good. It was going to fit the colours that I had to work with. 
and I was super into getting a cabled look without having to cable. Now, I don't use a cable needle when I cable because I learned from the yarn harlot how to switch your stitches over before you knit so that you don't need a needle. Probably doesn't work if you're cabling more than six stitches across for your stitching, but I long ago learned how to cable without a needle. But this isn't even that. It's a twisted stitches, which is fantastic. So you're actually only cabling two stitches at a time for the cable. That works that way. And what you do is you knit two stitches together and before you take those stitches off the needle you then knit again into the front stitch for your cable going one way and the other way you knit into the back of the second stitch and then you knit into both of the stitches for the cable to go the other way and that's your cable so fantastic so easy and so quick and it looks stunning so I would do this pattern again I've just completed the first sock so I'm going to knit the second sock now I'm loving this. The other thing that I learnt in this pattern is this was my first toe-up sock ever, ever. I knit cuff down always, and I learnt to knit socks in about 2000, 2002. So I have been knitting without knowing a toe-up way for like 16 years. I remember at the time that I learnt how to knit socks, there was the toe-up option and a lot of people online at the time were you know this is when everybody got into knitting socks and then they were all into all the different ways and the only way I tried was with a circular needle and doing the figure eight cast on which I suspect might be the Turkish style one but I'm not 100% sure I could not get it to work I could not even get enough knit on to even start it and I abandoned it it was too hard I've been knitting for a lot longer since then so I thought well come on you must be able to do that it's ridiculous to think it would be too hard but since then I think this fantastic new method has been invented by Judy thanks Judy it's the Judy's magic cast on method which um, I learned and it is easy I mean it's still fiddly when you have your first rows to then knit but oh my goodness it is easy and then you don't have to kitchener up the toe. I mean, hello. And I know that was always the point of the knitting the toe up, but still I was just like, oh, I'll just kitchener it even though I hate it. But this is so easy cast on. And then all of a sudden you've knit your toe and you don't have to come back and kitchener it. And then voila, you, you, you knit the whole thing, you cast off and you're finished. And because when I went to that Luani prior uh, workshop I learned how to work the ends of my thread into my knitting as I go so because I had to change colors a couple of times I just knit the ends in as I was going and hello I finished this sock and it's finished I'm into that I'm digging that I don't know if I'm like forever converted to the toe up sock but I'm not going to be avoiding toe up socks now and I can definitely see the appeal of switching to the toe up only I'm excited people I am excited and I'm mostly excited because right before I'd recorded this I actually did the second cast on for the toe for the second sock so I already know that it works it's repeatable it's fantastic that's what I'm currently knitting I have been knitting some other things before I went into this massive spiral. Here's the thing I'm doing. Um, when we moved into this house, I decided that I wanted everybody to be shoe-free in this house. And um, we have really lovely carpet, so I just don't want people walking in their shoes and around. 
This one time in my life, I went to visit somebody and they had a shoe-free house and they had this gorgeous, huge basket at the front door with all kinds of different socks or just socket, you know, like the top made out of the tights fabric sockets, other options for you to put on your feet, but they wanted you to take your shoes off. And I just thought it was so classy. And I sat happily with some little sockets on my feet or whatever, but they had a whole range of options, maybe slippers as well. Uh, like you get at a fancy hotel. Um, and I just really, really liked it. it. It gave this feeling of luxury about being around their home. And also it was comfortable. You'd taken your shoes off or whatever, but then also their whole house was shoe free. So it, I just, I like the idea of a shoe free house. I told you I have OCD. Anyway, so I've been wanting to do this like for 15 years. And finally we were in a house where I was like, brand new house. Cause I'd moved into my husband's house when I moved in with him. Whereas this is our first house that we've moved into together. And so we've kind of changed rules and the way we're doing things. And I really wanted to do this. And I even have my basket ready, but I thought it would be really nice to have some handmade socks, some handmade slippers, different things that we could have at the front door. It gets very, very cold here. So this would be really, you know, just like a way to give people a hug without really touching them. I thought, well, it's getting cold. I'm going to start this project. And so I went rifling through my yarn stash and came up with some yarn that I got in a subscription box that I have never liked. And I double checked the pattern that it came with it because I'm this completist who believes that I'll always go back and actually do the project that you were supposed to do at the time, even though like you bought the yarn, you can do whatever you want with it. Live a little, you know? So I went back and had a look and it's It was for mittens. I hate the mittens. I would hate the yarn in those mittens. I would hate the mittens in that yarn. I'm free. And so I've taken this yarn and it's two ply with a very thick yarn and a thinner yarn wrapped around it in white. And I knit my first pair of slippers. The subscription box actually had two different colors of yarn. One was a purple and one is a green. And if you ever subscribe to this kit, you'll know what I'm talking about. But anyway... I went with a pattern that I found on Ravelry for free called Simple House Slippers. If you head over to me on Ravelry, I'm Girly Jones on Ravelry, you'll be able to see the pattern. It's very easy. You just knit garter for a while and then you turn that into going in the round and you knit stockinette till you're ready to put the toe in and then you just mattress up the back and you've got a, you've got a slipper pretty easy. Uh, I didn't love knitting with the yarn, which kind of validated the whole decision that I wasn't going to like the yarn for the project that it came with. But when I finished, when I never really believed that they were going to fit my feet because they looked too small, when I finished them, they fit perfectly and they are so nice that I claimed the first pair for myself. They're a tiny slipper. They don't come any higher than your heel. Just a little slipper and so warm, so comfy. So that kind of was good because I finished a pattern, but bad because (laughs) my basket is still empty. So I've cast on a second pair and I'm aware that my foot's quite small. So the second pair I'm making a little bit larger because I think most women who come into my house probably have larger feet than me. So I'm going to make that pair. Of course, my four-year-old was like, I wish I had a pair of slippers. So I'll probably make a pair for her. There's no sizes. There's just the one pattern. So I measured her foot and she's like two thirds of my foot. So I think I'll just scale the pattern down two thirds. 
Uh, and my husband said he would wear a pair if I had them, so I might make him a pair as well. I've done some diving and found this kind of yarn, which is not my taste, but a lot of people buy it when they go to a town when they're traveling and it's, it's a town known for its sheep and its yarn or whatever. They like buy you this kind of yarn. My mum went to New Zealand and brought me back some of this kind of yarn. I don't love it. And it's one skein and it's a funny weight, but it will work perfectly for slippers. So I'm going to churn out a few of those. And those are the kind of no thinking knitting. So now I actually have that kind of knitting on the needles. I will not get into the same problem as I did the other day. And the other plan I have for the basket of free socks is a slip-on slipper that I saw in a Better Homes and Gardens magazine one time, and that's made with Noro yarn. I don't love Noro yarn. I have some lying around, so I'm kind of thinking that'll be a good option for that. I have a feeling that's a crochet pattern, though, but I am planning on digging that up when I've gotten to the end of all the yarn that I can use for these slippers. The other thing I was doing before I got to here, to this point in time, was I was making some more tea cozies. And I have knitted up a whole heap, but I haven't finished them. So that's something that I need to come back to. And I'm not sure if the sewing up of knitting has the same effect on calming the mind as knitting does. Um, I would argue that it doesn't, and that would justify the fact that I have a whole heap of knitting sitting around that just needs to be finished. But, you know... It's probably still meditative. I made the tea cozy that's on the cover of Luani Pryor's third book, I think, Tea Cozies That Changed the World. It's It looks like a, a tea cozy with a bunch of pillows or mushrooms stacked one on top of the other. I actually thought that was going to be really fiddly, but you knit the whole thing in one piece and you, you make those squares that pile up by decreasing down to a very small hole and then and then increasing back up again to get the pillow effect and then the bit that I'm stuck on is then you have to stuff it but it was I was way less fiddly than I was expecting and I knit it very very quickly so I've knit that one and then I've knit a couple of less fancy but still gorgeous yarn tea cozies that are going to be for something else in the end, I've actually done quite a bit of crafting since we last spoke, but I did have a big lull in the middle where I didn't get very much done. I guess the next time I record, I should probably have a fair few socks done. Uh, keep crafting. Send me pictures of what you're crafting. You can head over to our Slack where we have a crafting channel if you're a patron of a variety of different podcasts. This one being one of them, but Galactic Suburbia and um, Acts of Kitchen by my friend Alex. Or tweet at me. There's a Facebook page. I'm on Ravelry. All the information is at the end of the podcast. Keep smiling, okay? You've been listening to the Champagne and Socks podcast, a podcast of all things craft. You can now subscribe via iTunes, leave a review if you like, join the craft circle and tell us what you're working on this week. Email me at champagneandsocks at gmail.com or find me on Twitter as Champagne Socks. I'm over on Ravelry as Girly Jones. Also find the Ravelry group, Champagne and Socks. Speak to you later.